Hello and welcome to the Bicom podcast. I'm Jack Omer Jackman, Bicom Research Associate. It's Wednesday, 12th of July, and I'm here in London to speak today with Iranian democracy campaigner Vahid Beheshti. Vahid, welcome to the, the Bicom podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, Vahid, perhaps you could start by telling our listeners exactly where we are right now and, and why you're here. So today is the day 140 of our sit-in protest in front of foreign office. So the first 72 days of this sit-in protest was a hunger strike. Then I lost 18 and a half kilograms. I transferred to hospital. I was in hospital for two weeks. One week after that, in a place which we can call it safe house, and then I came back here. And today, on the day 140, the demand of this protest was prescription of IRGC, Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. We ask British government to place IRGC on the list of terrorist organizations. Why? Because of their terrorist activities inside of Iran and outside of Iran. And for past year, we are witnessing the hands of IRGC in our soil here in the UK. If we look into the latest report of MI5, 15 attempted assassination, kidnapping and hostage taking since January till now in the UK. If we look at the situation with one of the TV stations in London, which is called Iran International TV Station, the police, our police ask Iran International TV Station to relocate from here to Washington DC because of the threat of IRGC's agent and turn back to them and says, we are not capable to guarantee your safety and security hundred and about 20 journalists working for this TV station. We are not capable to guarantee your safety and security because of the threat of IRGC's agent. Two days later, the head of IRGC turned, turned back and publicly and proudly announced, yes, it was because of our threat. They shut down this TV station in London and we do more if it's necessary. So we were in communication with politicians, with MPs before of our of my hunger struggle uh, to regarding prescription of IRGC. And we thought in January we had a parliamentary moment. We thought we are very close. We expecting we were expecting in two to three weeks time this happened. But suddenly we experienced an obstacle. When we done our homework, we found that the obstacle is from foreign office. We couldn't talk to them anymore. We couldn't... Um, the door of conversation was closed. We held two uh, conferences in UK Parliament focused on IRGC's prescription with MPs, with many responsible, but we didn't get anywhere. Anyway, of, that was the moment... I remember exactly what was the spark of my um, hunger struck. My wife, she was on the phone with one of the um, journalists, Iran International TV station journalists, as she attacked in London, as she was on the phone with my wife. And she came and t- told me the story. That was the moment then I decided to do something more than what 
we were doing. And I think about a week later, I start my hunger struck here. And we are where we are at the moment. We had a lot of good achievement, I can say. In a two official meeting with the government, first meeting was on the day of 33 of 30, uh, my hunger struck with the Ministry of State for Security, Tom Tugendhat. The second one was, was on the day 62 of my hunger struck with the Foreign Office. On the day 56 of my hunger struck, 125 MPs, uh, cross parties, signed the letter to Rishi Sunak, uh, support me, and they said we have the same demand as Wahid. We're asking for the prescription of IRGC now. And a lot of great meetings. Uh, I was on the day 70, me and my wife were invited to Buckingham Palace. I uh, passed the letter from um, the Iranian people to uh, King Charles. And that was, I was in hospital. Then two, two weeks ago, I had a trip to Ukraine. I was uh, three days I was in Ukraine. I took the message of solidarity of Iranians to Ukrainians. I connected with a few uh, communities, few politicians. And two days before that, I had a meeting with uh, Gila Gamlila, the um, Minister of State for Security of Israel. She came here and we had a great meeting, me, my wife and her. Uh, then we do uh, as we go and we said from the day one we're not going to go anywhere till we get this done. This is very important for our safety and security here in the UK today. We are not just talking about Iranians or Ukrainians who these days um, get killed by IRGC's drone which supply to Putin or the people of region. Today British citizens are under the great danger of IRGC's agent in here, in London. Thank you, Vahid. If you're happy to, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your own history, perhaps perhaps some of your, your family's history too, and how that connects with your cause here. I mean, for past 18 years, I, I was really involved with human rights activities and journalism. But before that, I moved to UK 24 and a half years ago. So I was arrested two times in Iran. I, I was, I can say I was one of those lucky ones I could escape. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> then, yes, in my family, they are under the great um, pressure from the regime. But I said in 2009 to, I remember it was in Green Movement time. This is for the first time I say this in one interview publicly. My mom called me and I realized she's not my mom. She's not the same mom as always. The sound, I realized there's people around her. And she was asking me to keep them, keep quiet and just bring the flame of my activities down. And I said to her, look mom, I don't know who's around you and who are the people uh, that makes you to tell me this stuff, but you are not different from the other people who they have been killed a few days ago in, on the street of Tehran. So tell them whatever they want to do, 
with you guys do it quickly because I'm not gonna stop even if they do anything to you guys I'm gonna increase my activities I'm not gonna do anything less and from then of course that's my I know that's my war that's my um, path to do for freedom because I believe in freedom I believe in democracy I believe I have to be active for your freedom for your rights as a human being so yes they are under the great pressure every other week they take them they torture them they um, they try to make me a stop but of course I'm not gonna do that thank you very um, t tell us a little bit about the the protest movement that we've seen in Iran over the last the last year or so tell us firstly what what sparked it what some of its achievements are and also perhaps why it wasn't able to achieve even more we we cannot talk about this um, movement which we then the woman life freedom revolution which we call it um, before we call about the other protest in Iran sure. I, I can say very if I'm gonna make it very short this start from the beginning of the revolution 1979 two months later we had many uh, nurses who they protest in different streets of uh, Tehran against compulsory hijab gone to 10 days uh, 10 years later after they had that mass execution in the in one summer, they killed 33,000 political prisoners. But we come in, a, and then every 10 years, we had demonstration. 2019, we had the green, uh, 2009, we had the green movement. Eight years later, we had another protest, but it just continued, continued and evolved. For example, in 2009, people, they were asking for their vote because it was a corrupt election and people, they asked for their vote. They said the government they stole our vote. We're asking for our vote. But look at this event, which started 10 months ago from the beginning of the movement, which sparked with the killing, brutal killing of Mahsa Amini, the, that um, lady for not covering her hair properly. Uh, from the beginning of that movement, people asked for removing the regime, for changing regime from the day one. From the day one, they chanted death to Khamenei. And it started, and for four or five months, people, they were in the street. It was very brutal uh, suppressing. They killed officially, I think, more than that. I can say more than 1,500 people, they have been killed, but officially they said, 520 something like that people died 70 of them they were children they said officially 20,000 people in the prison but I tell you about 80,000 people are in the prison but the movement are carry on every Friday we have it in system Baluchistan in Zahedan people after the Friday pray they come to the street still carry on any moment Iran is the lucky time bomb any moment can explode again and this I would say uh, people will conquer the street again. Any moment that can happen from now till maybe next two, three months. And I think this is the final war between Iranians and this government. And help us understand the scale of that, of the, particularly the younger generation in Iran, how, how widespread 
that huge appetite for for change in the country is. I can say for sure more than 95% of the population of Iran are not just wanting to remove this they hate anything about this regime so because it took everything away from them it's not just freedom people now are fighting for bread for water they can't even provide the water for the capital <laughs> so iran is the fifth richest country in the world when it comes to gas oil gold gold mine and all these things that we have but look at the people look at we are 70 percent more than officially more than 70 percent of the people living under the line of poverty so people cannot put up with this you know and this government because it's a cropped system it's rich dead end in different avenue financially socially politically internationally uh, so they have no way than collapse but it's gonna happen maybe in two weeks maybe in six months i would say less than a year we will uh, witnessing the collapse of this regime by the hand of iranians you, you mentioned earlier um some of the support you've had from from politicians um and perhaps from the public too in the uk perhaps you can go into a little bit more more detail about that about about um how and why uk politicians have supported supported what you've been doing that i would say the genuine and true politicians which i think the majority of them are uh supporting us because they understand the level of corruption of this regime they know this regime um, level of human right violation inside and outside of the country so they are supporting us majority of mps they are with us cross parties and but uh, we have obstacle as well uh, with foreign office they still think appeasing words but which uh, experience shows for past 44 years appeasement policy didn't work because as long as we are appeasing this regime they continue with their ways they continue with their hostage taking policy hostage taking policy is their main and the first policy that's why they taking hostage to be able to control us so we shouldn't play in the path that they laid for us so i think there's a good um uh intention here but we need to work more on it and the main problem i think the advisor that uh, the advisors that foreign office use uh, regarding the iran desk i don't know who they are i i saw few of them i can say they are lobby of the iranian regime they come here 89 years old who they are supporting regime they go and they give advice they, and their advice is this if you prescribe irgc they become more dangerous they become more terrorists terrorists is terrorists it can't become more terrorists danger is danger they can't be, they can't become more danger so this is our question from our foreign minister who is giving you advice what who's sitting around iran desk we have to understand that because we are well-known uh, figure of iranian opposition at the moment this campaign was the only campaign that could in past 44 years unite the whole opposition on the day uh, 66 of my hunger struck we called for a rally and we could successfully 
unite the whole opposition different groups which happened for the first time that was the only rally after 40 years that Iranian regime officially warned UK government for the rally and said this rally is interfering in 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 internal politics and you should cancel it. which of course they respond we cannot cancel it we live in democratic country so we have to know who's giving you guys advice they're not telling us any anything about this this is our complaint from foreign office so they are not clear with us they are not um, uh, telling the truth uh, I think but the majority of politicians and MPs are great are supporting us they are not just supporting us I'm, I can tell some of these uh, lords and MPs are member of our campaign today that's how they are really uh, deep involved with this process do you have a sense that the nuclear issue plays into the reluctance to prescribe uh, at all they use they use anything that they have but nuclear let's get to this why we have the agreement of JCPOA in 2015 if I'm right why so just look behind 2002 if I'm right on the date for the first time the nuclear activity of regime has been revealed since 2002 till 2015 we had four agreements regarding nuclear the fourth one was JCPOA why we had JCPOA because each one of those agreements before has been breached by Iranian government that's only shows we cannot trust this government at all because they breached agreement after agreement and from the moment that they signed JCPOA from that moment they breached that they continue with their ways in reaching uranium and toward creating the war uh, nuclear warhead we had the evidence of it 500 kilogram evidence <laughs> Israel took out from the heart of Tehran and and move it outside so we have all this evidence so nuclear shouldn't be they want to use it but they shouldn't we as a politician at least our politician they have to be wise enough to not play in the field and in the path that Iranian regime lay for them thank you you mentioned earlier on the the increasing vulnerability of the regime in the face yes. of ordinary yes. Iranians do you think in that as that vulnerability deepens we're likely to see it become more aggressive as a result is behavior particularly overseas connected to its own domestic vulnerability of, of course that's uh, that's normal but the, as they become more vulnerable they become more aggressive they become more uh, frustrated of what we have to be aware of that that more uh, aggress aggressiveness aggressiveness and uh, shows they are how vulnerable they are and how weak they are so we have to I think use this opportunity and instead standing next to the regime and and continue pleasing them and appeasing them supporting Iranian people Iranian people will remember which country helped them in this very hard time that they are um, going through.
So that's my answer to this. Thank you. Just as a final question, what would be your message to the British people, to the international community and to the UK government as well? So first, British people, they have to feel the responsibility from the day one if they follow my messages from the day one. I repeat this again, this is a domestic issue. This is our safety and security here. It's, this is not my only protest. This is our protest here. So we have to raise our voice because this is our safety and security in this country. This foreign mafia system, which IRGC I'm talking about, shouldn't be able to force our intelligence and our police to shut down one TV station in, uh, in UK. Not even for one day. Now it's been five months. So this first for, our, you know, for the British citizen. This is their fight. They shouldn't um, be relaxed about this. Because if we are today relaxed about this, we're going to experience what happened 44 years ago in Iran, next 20 years here. So we have to be aware of that. British government, our politicians, our leaders, um, majority of them are great. They understand what they are dealing with. But unfortunately, at the moment, our main problem with foreign office, our foreign minister, and our prime minister, basically. Our prime minister, Mr. Rishi Sunak, promised Three days, I think, if I remember, after the after the attack to Salman Rushdie, he said Salman Rushdie attack was a wake-up call for us. So, and we have to prescribe. I remember exactly his word. We have to prescribe IRGC. What happened to that promise? After he elected as our prime minister, he forgot completely about it, and he ignored me for 140 days. I asked for the meeting. I asked for. Uh, the response, I know every day he get the messages, but he, he, he keep ignoring me. I said, I don't know how long more our foreign minister and our prime minister will continue ignoring me and pretend I don't exist here, but I can assure I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to be here. For international communities, international community, this is a wake-up call for them. So what happened in Ukraine should be a wake-up call for all of us. We shouldn't let go like what happened in World War II. We gave chance to Hitler. We shouldn't give chance to regimes like Russia and Iranian regime. Because this is good to know something about the relationship between Iranian regime and Russia. You haven't heard this. This is for the first time definitely you hear this. The relationship between Iranian regime and Putin regime is not just about the power and uh, controlling the region and all this. this they, they, they sharing the same ideology. So the Iranian regime believe this mafia system, this sect, they believe in hidden imam. So Shia, this, they are Shia, they believe their 12th imam will appear one day and they have to do everything to make the world ready for the appearance of their 12th imam, which, name, which his name is Mahdi. The Putin regime, if you listen to the, to the brain of Putin, his name is Alexander Dugin. If you listen to it, he says, we are waiting for the appearance of Katakhan. So they're waiting for their imam as well, which his name is Katakhan. And they say, he said it publicly, he said, we and Iranian regime are following the same path 
making the world ready for the appearance of the hidden um, for the hidden saint so this is a danger of this uh, cooperation of these two uh, fanatic and uh, fascist regime together and we have to be aware of this they are not they are not joking they are following a path and they are they willing to do anything and to reach to their goal Bahid, thank you. I, w- I want to thank you very much for your for your generosity with your time today. You'll have given our listeners a huge amount of um, extra information, and uh, I'm sure they'll continue to follow follow your campaign. Um, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again again soon for another Bicom podcast.